Okay, we're back here, Grease and Glamour Podcast, Episode 5. This is Part 2 of our very interesting discussion with John Callahan from Midtown Tires. John is, uh, has over 30 years' experience uh, dealing with tires at Midtown. Uh, he has a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he's a multi-brand tire specialist, so he knows really everything about winter tires, um, all-season tires, th- as you'll find out when, uh, in podcast number one, three-season tires and, and winter tires. But um, yeah, John has uh, taught me a lot over the years about tires so that I can share that with my customers, and we're really happy to have him here. Um, please share this podcast with your friends uh, on Facebook. Uh, tell them about it at your next uh, party or family function or dinner or wherever you're going tonight or this weekend. Uh, tell everybody about the Grease and Glamour podcast and tell them that they can find it um, at Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts, and just about wherever wherever podcasts are found. And please visit UniversalImports.com for all of your car sales, service, and uh, body shop or collision center needs. Um, UniversalImports.com. It's the only name you need to know in the car business. Um, and I'm here. I'm Mark Fearbacher, Grease and Glamour Podcast, Winter Tire Edition. So let's talk about studded snows or studded winter tires. Because Mark, over the last several years, we have sold more studded winter tires than any years prior. And it's it's kind of an anomaly itself because... It seems like when I look around at stoplights, I don't see lots of studded tires on the cars around me, and I don't know many people running them, but they are selling like hotcakes. I remember those back in my early days. That's well, that's I, that I the think thing. that's it was studded a, tires. Right, everything comes full circle. I mean, it, 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 it studded snow tires were a big thing back in the seventies and eighties. Yep. Uh, I mean, people. I remember. Shops I remember used to stud them themselves, not yeah. even at the distribution right. center. Had a, stud, had a stud so machine yeah. uh, right in the shop. Yeah. Um, you see people drive in here with rear-wheel drive Mercedes with chains on the tires. That's funny. <laughs> you know, cars have gotten so light over the last ten to fifteen years, and performance packages have gone up, and there's turbos on these small engines, and uh, it just seems like the cars have less confidence in the winter. Uh, drivers are more distracted than ever. I saw a guy texting it on the road one day this week. It was a joke. Oh. <laughs> but um, <laughs> <laughs> well, now we know what's inside your mind, John. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, My turn next, and then yours, Aaron. Yeah. Well, we're still waiting for your Sean Connery impression. You know, I so I was just going to do it. And I decided it. Not to do it. <laughs> we're going to get him to do it. If if not, you know, you'll just have to keep listening to this podcast until we oh, uh, come out. Till we get him to do it. It's going to be the right moment. You know. Yeah, I, I get it. Um, we'll accept Anthony Hopkins too if you don't want to do Sean Connery. Uh, honestly, it's probably going to be Sean Connery. It's a little bit easier, but um, hey, real quick, um, we're, we're going to continue to talk about tires here. But I got a little fun Halloween kind of thing because we are uh, a, a week out from Halloween. And uh, John, on a on our very first podcast, we talked about um, cars in movies. We talked about all different kinds of cars that were in movies. I love cars in movies. Yeah. So we we thought we had hit most of them, and then it turns out afterwards we realized a couple people had brought to our attention a couple big ones that we missed. So hopefully, you, you got know. Eleanor on the list. We did. We talked about Eleanor. Okay. Yeah. We did. Yeah. Mark has a blank look on his what face. What is Eleanor? I'm not sure he knows. What Eleanor. am I missing? What's Eleanor? Gone in sixty seconds. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's right. One of Aaron's favorite but movies, like right? Movie. Yeah. Well, Aaron was very happy to because she didn't know any of the other movies we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say though? So the other day I went out in the shop and I was I was looking for a couple of the guys, and I I shouted out, "Hey, you guys!" And nobody knew what I was talking about, and I'm like. The Goonies? Yeah, that's and, it. And they hadn't seen it. And I'm <laughs> hey, like, okay, I've guys. seen one movie. That... <laughs> they should be watching it. It's a perfect movie for this time. <laughs> Maybe it was your I delivery, know. Aaron. That, that is it, a great movie. Goonies it. is a great movie. Anyways. Yeah. It, it. I show, uh, uh, My kids watched it actually a couple weeks ago, and I said, if you want to know how what my childhood was like, I mean, we didn't go dancing around caves and find find <laughs> treasures treasure. from, uh, on a pirate ship but <laughs> the whole thing with your kids with, with your friends and you're just out in the neighborhood and you're with your bikes and you're just goofing around that was what every day well, was when and i was as much as i know i'm an official goonie actually sean astin 
actually brought me into the Goonie Society. Really? Yeah, really? absolutely. Me and my son. Yep. Oh, that's cool. Yep. Yeah. We met him. We did the whole pledge and everything. So I'm an official Goonie. That's wow. uh, can that's say nice. That. Well, I have. Um, if we're gonna go there, <laughs> I have on my wall. I just received an official stock from Dunder Mifflin <laughs> from the Office, which is my favorite TV show. The U.S. version of The Office is just like the best show on TV. It is funny. I, I've watched. It really I've watched it. I don't know. I was warned about people like you. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, I, don't know. I, I think I just relate to Michael Scott so much. But all right, these are some Halloween style car questions. So it's a, it's a, it's like a trivia, little trivia game. Okay. All right. So whoever gets it first can just blurt out the answer. There's no prize for the winner. This is just just to well, kill some time. I'm not going to compete on this one. <laughs> oh no, John, you're Are you in sure it. like we can't get winter tires as a right. prize for my car. Okay, here we go. This is it's kind of like kind of in riddle form. She's red. It's a 1958 Plymouth Fury with Christine. white Oh, yeah, <laughs> you got it. See, you didn't want to play. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky guess. Christine, you Aaron, have you seen Christine? No. <laughs> have you seen Halloween? Yes, have I've seen Halloween. The original Halloween. The original one. Yeah, okay. yeah not the Rob, Rob Zombie's version. It's no, not no, the original. No, no. Okay, so the original Halloween was directed and written by John Carpenter, mm-hmm. right? And John Carpenter did some great 80s, uh, oh, 80s, right? Oh, yeah. Listen, horror movies. I mean, you got, what do you got? The Mist, The Fog. Wh- oh, the, you know, um, uh, Escape from New Escape York. Escape from New York. Come I on. love Escape from New York. Who doesn't um, like Kurt Russell? Huh? Yeah. yeah. Um, Snake, Snake Plissken. Snake Plissken. Yep. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's um, a whole show that we could do. Oh, yeah. I, lo- I <laughs> love The Wonderment. <laughs> Every time I drive to New York City, I still always think of Escape from New York. And if you listen to the theme song from Escape from New York and you listen to the theme from Halloween – they were both done on this like little so keyboard, like a Casio, Casio. keyboard. And here's the thing: John Carpenter really wasn't a good musician or no. composer, but he wrote. So those. he did what he could do, and they both just—it's just the sound. It just—it's great. It's great. Mark, do you think we'd send Snake Bliskin in to get any of our current political people if they were under <laughs> yeah. lock and key? Just an know. odd question. Well, I don't know. Kurt oh, Russell might be again. retired at this point. <laughs> He might not do so well going into Manhattan anymore. No. no. <laughs> He'd have some trouble. He could send Goldie Hawn in, though. I don't think so either. <laughs> I think I think she might be in trouble She's as well. She's overboard. Uh, That's a good so, one. Great movie. All right. Well, Should never so have made the John second got, one. So John got that one really fast. But let me see how close he could get to. Let me sit out and give you guys all, in, other guys a chance. Oh, what are you two, trying to say, John? Here, John. In 2004, Christine, the car, Christine, so, the original, sold at auction. I know the owner. You know the owner, but do you know how he much lives he lives here in Rochester? Really, he does. The owner of CGI Communications is this gentleman. Uh, his name's escaping me now, but he has a thing called Rochester Auto Museum, and he has one of the movie cars, a documented one. There was four or five cars used in it. Several of them were crashed for the scenes, but he has the one that was the pretty boy car with no dents. Well, in I it. think it was either IMDB or one of these uh, websites I said that he paid 175000 It That's what it's 170 thousand dollars in 2004 Mr. Bedinsky, for that thing. I believe his name is. Yeah, I can't think of his name Something. right now. Don't quote me on so that. So that's, yeah. oh, wow, look at that. That's look even that. a Rochester thing. That's crazy. Yeah. Didn't know that. Okay. What's orange and black and created quite a nuisance for a certain type of swine in a small Georgia county. I know the answer. I'll let these guys go. No, you might as well go with that one. Dukes of Hazard. Yep. Wow. The General Lee. The General Lee. Orange? <laughs> Maybe I'm colorblind. I always thought it was more red. It's orange. Yeah, it's orange. You just had a with the, with you just had a bum TV way. set with a blown tube in it. <laughs> That's why the color back. was red. That, was, that was a flying car in a lot of those scenes, huh? Yeah, I don't think there's any color on mine TV. Back so, then. did you know that? Do you know how much John Schneider sold that thing for? I do not. Do what, tell. Was it actually John Schneider's car? It w- from what I read, it was John Schneider's car before when he was hired to do Dukes of Hazard, and they used it. He sold it. And he sold it on eBay for nine million nine hundred fifty thousand dollars. Wow. I would like to that invoke Snopes. So if anybody is listening to this, please look into that. 
$9 million? Well, I Googled it. I mean, I'm not. I look, oh. Snopes is a new thing. I just heard about that. Mark, like, I didn't even get to bid. <laughs> yeah, Snopes is not new, Mark. Well, it's, it's newer. For, I just heard about it. Long time. No, somebody's going to get to the bottom. I don't believe it. I thought it was I'm Snoops. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. Nine million bucks for that car? I'm not sure. That seems a lot. Yeah, I'm not saying not, you're wrong. Nine million nine hundred thousand five hundred dollars. It just it didn't make ten million. Close. We'll have our specialists look into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of our listeners, maybe. Check that out. Again, disclaimer: none of the stuff on this show is. This is for entertainment value <laughs> only. That's all right. I just I, <laughs> listen. If it, if it's sold for nine million, good good on him. No people or animals were harmed during that's the more, filming of this podcast. I'm sure that's more than he made on the show, so it's a perfect. <laughs> All right, here we'll do one more. How this is a? Uh, I guess this is kind of a Halloween one here. Let's see. Yeah, read my writing. This isn't really a Halloween one. Uh, if Jay doesn't get this one, I don't know. No, listen. It's a 1983 GMC van. There is one person who would prefer it over flying. But don't take pity. It is one fast van. I gave you like three hints in that question. Hmm. Mm. I'll read it again. Yeah, read it again. Okay. I got to pay attention. It's a 1983 GMC van. There is one person who would prefer it over flying. But don't take pity. It is one fast van. Yeah, I'm. I I'm. Admit, I'm coming I up empty. Listen, would have guys, an answer for you, but this one I'm stumped. Yeah, you I'm, know, I usually love it when a plan comes together, but on this one, a plan isn't coming together. You seem like you're puffing your chest out that you got no answer. I just gave you another hint. I'm. I'm uh, slow today, Mark. I, I'm, it's the A Team van. Oh, I was thinking that, boy. but what does it have to do with flying? B.A. Baracus oh, didn't, yeah. like didn't like to fly, and he would always want to drive in the car, so they had to knock him out to get him on the plane. I think you wanted to be Mr. T. Oh, man, I wanted to be Face. Yeah. He was the yeah. he was the good-looking guy. I thought about show. it, and I'm thinking, oh, it's a van. These guys drove that thing, but what does flying you know, have to listen, do with it? The- I, I thought this was so clever. I'll let me well, read it again, and now you'll, now you'll appreciate the cleverness of it. There is one person who would prefer it over flying, so there's the first hint. But don't take pity. Oh, I pity, I take the, pity fool. The, fool. Oh. I pity yeah. the fool. I pity the fool, right? Jeez, you're too so there's smart. one fast van, and then I even threw in for the cherry on top. I even threw in. I love it when a plane comes together. Well, I gotta be honest, Mark. Um, they obviously weren't that great because none of us got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm just saying that your harshest you, critic speaks. Yeah, you threw me out. Sometimes like, I feel oh, like Jay, Charlie Brown. I even get beat up on my own podcast. No, well, hey, I mean, I listen, get it all the time. To yeah. hey, listen, I beat up myself. I mean, that's just. I got a ju- football you can kick here, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, John. Can you yes. give, here's a. I'm gonna lead you into a couple true or false here, and you can t- speak to them. Okay. All right. If you're going to replace, if you have two tires that are bad, do you need to switch out all four, or can you just replace two? It depends if it's a two or an all-wheel drive vehicle in some cases. Okay, so elaborate If you on were that. to replace two tires, let's say, on a regular front-wheel drive car, common wisdom would think you should put them on the front-wheel drive axle is, when really that's not the case. They would like you to put your new tires in the back, where there's no weight and it needs traction and leave the used tires on the front where it has the weight of the motor and the churning of the drivetrain, and that would give more equal distribution of traction. The best thing is always to replace tires in sets of four. This way, when you rotate them, you have equal tread. You can keep an eye on them. Now, you would definitely not want to replace, if you had, if you had four tires, if you had, say, three tires that were, um, three quarters worn and you had one tire that blew out you would definitely not want to just put one brand new tire on because that could potentially uh, even damage uh, your all-wheel drive or your transmission is that correct quite a few all-wheel drive systems are very finicky jeep and audi being two of the more uh, the more persnickety with making changes like that where you might run into a problem should you tinker with mother nature 
Some vehicles are a little less prone to issues, but it's very important to keep tread depths within 25% of each other. Remember, our tires typically start at 11 30 seconds and bald is two, so you're really talking about usable 30 seconds. There's no such thing as one or zero 30 seconds, so a tire's bald at two. So any tire that's half-worn might be six or seven 30 seconds on a 11 30 second tire. Just do the math there. So all-wheel drive vehicles, I think it's very, you need to be very cautious as a service rider to profess that people need four instead of two. Okay. Um, well, this is probably an easy one. Price does not always equal quality. Absolutely. Today's day and age, there's a lot of price tires out there that uh, cut costs by having weak tread compound, meaning they might turn a little plasticky in cold weather. They have less siping in them for traction in rain and or snow and slush. They may have less tread depth to start with. Some cheap tires that I've seen, I won't mention where, but we've actually did some research of our own. Instead of being full depth tires like 11 or 12, 30 seconds, like a premium manufacturer might have eight and a half, 30 seconds. And that now reduces the shipping weight and it certainly reduces longevity. And then therefore they can sell it cheaper, but that doesn't mean it's the best value or if it's, or nor is it safe. Yeah. Uh, tires are definitely uh, hard to navigate. What's, what's a good value what's the right brand to get because that's why i let you guys tell me like listen this is what you need james right and then we just call john (laughs) john (laughs) and then i call somebody else no you know (laughs) actually uh i'll say that um some of the tire brands uh, and specifically more recently nokian and toyo do a really great job of educating their retail stores um you know, uh, John and I have attended a lot of uh, seminars from Toyo and Correct. from Nokian, and, and it's not just for them to talk about what their newest, greatest tire is, but it is really to educate us on what to explain to the customer and give the customer the right information. Remember, it, Mark, when Sonny came and gave a discussion, uh, Sonny from Toyo, and he gave a discussion about tires, and he showed a lot of shoes, and he showed a pair of dress shoes and I remember this being one of the best things. He said, would you get a guy who's coming in to be a runner to offer him dress shoes or work boots? No, he needs certain kind of sneakers. And so just like a shoe salesman, a person selling tires should ask somebody, what do they do with their vehicle? Do they go up to the mountain skiing? Do they park the car for the winter? Does their young college-bound daughter drive the vehicle? And so these are educated questions so that you can put the right tire on there. Sometimes a cheap tire might suffice when a person's trading a car in, but usually the best tire is going to be a, a more of an expensive tire because it offers a lot more traction, more longevity, and certainly more safety. So would you say? So speaking to that, would you say that? Okay, so let's say a customer comes in here uh, looking for a potential winter tire, and I talk to them, which I do. You know, I, I like to think that we're pretty in touch with our our customers and we we know sort of their lifestyles and their driving habits and that sort of thing but let's say i'm talking to the customer and they say you know mark i am on the thruway almost every day i'm commuting to buffalo or syracuse uh i'm i'm often on the thruway um i would be more prone to advise them on something like a celsius that gives them a, a good winter tire option but without such a soft rubber compound that it doesn't wear out too quick on a throughway that most of the time, even in winter, is fairly dry. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, now, you know, in, for those of you who don't live in this area, I mean, that throughway, the other good thing they do is if it's they can't do it, they close it down. Yeah, right. So, so, so you're either clear or you're closed so, down. So, really. And not, not to be a sales pitch for, like, the Toyo Celsius, but I think that that speaks to – so maybe that person wouldn't be a person that would be good for a Bridgestone Blizzak. They might find themselves disappointed after uh, the second season. Correct. Um, but someone that's driving around town needs to get up a, a slippery, steep driveway. Um, you know, only mode of transportation is that vehicle. They, they're on call somewhere where no matter if there's two feet of snow on the ground or not, they have to drive. They might be a, a, a better fit for a Bridgestone Blizzak or something like that. So I think that that's great advice that it, uh, you should when you're thinking about a winter tire or even 
when you're thinking about a three season tire. So whenever you're thinking about tires, period, you should think about your lifestyle, your driving habits, all of that stuff. And you should explain that to your service advisor wherever you're buying your tire. And it'd be great if it would be here. But wherever you're buying your, your tire, tell them this is this is you know this is where i drive i need i we have a lot of doctors they're they're on call they if they have to get to the hospital or to their office it doesn't matter what the what the weather is um and that person needs to have winter tires on because they can't have anything stopping them you know and it's just to illustrate i think at least for me this last year there was so much snow for especially for people that have no idea the snowplow in my driveway got stuck twice. Wow. Snowplow. Okay. Yeah, that's and those lot. things are heavy. They're big. I mean, they look like, to me, they look like monster trucks. They had to have tow trucks. Hmm. That's that's how much. So when you think about weather and how it can affect tires and performance and those types right. of things, you got to understand Mother Nature can sure, you know, rack up quite the storm every once in a while. Right. That makes it, you know. Well, to get off tires for a second, and uh, this is just such interesting subject matter, I think even if you don't, even if you didn't think that you'd want to listen to, you know, an hour and a half uh, about tires, uh, I think this will suck a lot of people in because it's really good stuff to know. But, you know, on top of tires, when we're talking about winter driving and we're talking about adverse road conditions, um it's probably good also to just just discuss for a minute the theory and, uh, behind ABA anti-lock brakes, which at this point every car has. Sure. Um, and they're very sophisticated systems. And most cars they work right along with the all-wheel drive system. The two systems are talking to each other all the time. That's why when you have a fault in your ABS now, you'll see your dashboard light up like a Christmas tree because a fault in your ABS also equals a fault in your all-wheel drive system. It equals a fault even in your engine computer electronics. So you might get an engine light, a traction control light, an ABS light. You you get a you'll sure. get the mm-hmm. the Christmas tree effect is what we what we call it when all those lights go on. on your I just dash. want to know what that snow button is on my. That's dash the, there. that's I have no you idea. Press it. It's not going to snow. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm see, just turn it see on what right you've now. been miss- see what you've wow. been missing all this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, thank you for that. Um, I'm going to go press. So it right next now. time it snows, everybody email Jay and say, "Will you please press your press darn it. snow it's all button?" On me. <laughs> yeah, um, I get it. The the snow button or the or in a lot of cars, it, it'll you'll see a little sort of car with some squiggly lines. That's usually traction. to turn traction control on and off. There are instances, not many, but there are instances where you might want to turn traction control oh, off. Yes. Uh, John, can you speak to I actually to had a that? neighbor stuck in her driveway last year. I'm not sure what kind of tires. She probably needed winter tires from Nokia and her Toyo. However, shameless plug number one for me. <laughs> um, I went over and she had her traction control on. I says, I can probably get this up your driveway. Turn the traction control off, which made the wheels spin more side to side instead of staying equal and was able to blast up her driveway and get her car into her garage. Yep. You would probably always want your ABS on, or I'm sorry, your anti-lock, I'm sorry, your traction, traction control. control on when you're on the highway. Right. But in certain situations, like you said, it's good to turn it off. If you So uh, if you watch the Grand Tour, which uh, which is the the guys from the English version of Top Gear, which oh, is it's okay. a really, really cool show on Amazon. Um, it's on Amazon, right, Aaron? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Um, if you watch Top Gear, they, the first thing they'll do when they get in a car on the racetrack, they'll turn traction control yeah. off so yeah. that they can have a little more fun yeah. because nothing <laughs> frustrates them more when they can't do donuts in a in an all-wheel <laughs> yeah. drive, uh, you know, some of these high-end sophisticated yeah, all-wheel you know, you know me, this is all about the technology thing, and I'm always like, wow, there's just so much, and I still mm-hmm. ABS, mm-hmm. traction control. Yep. What well, is the difference, really, for, for anybody that doesn't so a- ABS, ABS is anti-lock braking system, and what anti-lock brakes do, in theory, and this is just a sort of watered-down description of it, is that <clears throat> it pumps your brakes for you. So when you, let's say it's icy or wet, you potentially hydroplane, wh- whatever might cause your, your, your tires to stop spinning and, and skidding, the brakes, there's, a, there's these little sensors in each wheel, 
that sense that there's a problem. So you slam the brakes. You slam the brakes, and you'll you'll hear it, right? You've everybody has felt that ABS kick on. You'll hear this motor, this sort of pump come on, and you'll hear this crunching sound in your brakes, and it's an awful. It's almost like a, a dial-up modem. The it's just an awful feeling and an sure. awful sound, but that's what happens. And so what it's doing is the car is essentially pumping the brakes for you so that so when you slam on the brakes if you were to slam on the brakes without abs what would most likely happen is you'd keep sliding and you would start fishtailing and you would not stop in a straight line I'm getting the nod from John that everything I'm saying here is accurate so far, 100%. right? So you we have, have to look to over to him once again. Just to make sure. Uh, <laughs> when, you, when you pump your brakes to stop, which is what people got in the habit of doing before ABS brakes, you would notice that although your stopping distance would be much longer, which is a factor and a problem because if there's something stationary in front of you and you're getting coming at it at 30 or 40 miles an hour it, that's an issue so your stopping distance is much longer however you will stop in a straight line that is really the goal of abs brakes is that when you stop you won't fishtail you won't flip you won't you, you'll stop in a straight line um how does that work with automation now in in, in driverless cars that to me that's one of those things where you look and you go yeah we can do that but a lot of it's based on revs per mile, and so the computer that Mark was speaking of is constantly looking at how many revolutions the left tire is making versus how many revolutions the right tire is making. It's looking to equal that because as soon as one tire moves more revolutions than the other, the car will obviously check left or right, and then control is now starting to be lost. And that's when accidents can happen and cars will get T-boned and a lot of crazy accidents can happen. So like Mark said, they're looking to stop the vehicle in a controlled manner, but potentially not as quick as you might have felt. You're not going to feel the screeching and your head slamming into the windshield, but it's better because you probably won't come in contact with the windshield. It'll stop straight. It'll be right. more controllable. And if it does hit, hopefully the bags, the bags will deploy. Gonna go so off it, 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 it might not be... That it's going to guarantee that you're not going to get in an accident, but but it is it's going to it's going to it's going to guarantee that whatever is going to happen is going to be more controlled and and a, a much less left to just Chance. hope for the best mm -hmm. because okay. you know if something's coming at you and even though your stopping distance is much greater, you may even have the ability to make corrections with your steering wheel with ABS where you wouldn't be able to do that without it if the car just decides to start doing what it wants. The difference between that and traction control, traction control is essentially, I'm going to steal a term from a, a, a different uh, car company that used this years ago. It's kind of like from the wheels that grip to the, from the wheels that slip to the wheels that grip. Mm -hmm. So like Audi's all wheel drive is so famous because what it does and different than four wheel drive, four wheel drive would just be all four wheels constantly churning. Mm hmm. And a four-wheel drive car can also have traction control, but an all-wheel drive car has is four-wheel drive with this brain in it that knows that if you go over a puddle, let's say, and the right front, the right rear wheel, the left front wheel may actually get more power and take power away from that right rear. So it is constantly and instantaneously. That's on all Audis. That's not just on on all Audis. All, uh, most uh, all-wheel drive vehicles. Uh, yeah, most all-wheel drive vehicles. But most. Audi being uh, the state-of-the-art state state and, and the pioneer of the it. The pioneer, sure. Hmm. Um, so it's from the wheels that slip to the wheels that grip, essentially. That's a great term. That wasn't that wasn't coined by Audi, unfortunately. That's a good, that's a good way to put it, though. Um, so, yeah, so, that, so that's traction control. That's ABS. Now, of course, you will be able to help that distance when you're stopping with abs oh this segue is great by having a good set of tires right <laughs> by having a good set of tires on your car so if you have good tires yeah. or good winter tires and your abs kicks in and even though there is a stopping distance that's greater than if you weren't in a slipping situation tires are going to minimize that distance yeah, so if you got bald more. tires and you hit abs it's probably not going to help yeah. you out I had a, a front-wheel drive car, and, I mean, I didn't have great tires, and then I went to Toyo ones, and I could feel the difference. It was just, like, night and day. 
Yeah. Well, you know, BMW for years was not all-wheel drive. They were kind of late to the game. Mm -hmm. uh, BMW and Mercedes were rear-wheel drive cars for a long time. Um, whereas a lot of with the X drive right? and they came up with the X drive, but mm -hmm. before the X drive in the first couple, the first version of the X drive wasn't, wasn't great, but, um, they're really good now. In fact, uh, you know, essentially all these all wheel drives are about as good as the, uh, I mean, they're all, they're all fairly Very equal similar, at this sure. point. The technology has, you know, cross platform to everybody, everybody's sharing technology, uh, which I think is great, and I and I hope that we see that more going, you know, going forward with when we talk about um, electric cars and autonomous cars. Is right now that it's such a weird environment that no one's sharing anything. Uh, if you plug in your Tesla somewhere, um, that plug is proprietary to Tesla. So if you're driving up with a Chevy Bolt or Volt, uh, you can't plug in at a Tesla station. Likewise, uh, a, you know, a Toyota Nissan plug Leaf might be different yeah. than a mm -hmm. Nissan. And uh, my hope is is that they'll all kind of at some point go. Universal East. Yeah, they're going to, mm -hmm. you know, I've, it's with everything. Maybe uh, you can buy an adapter uh, kit at the local 7-Eleven. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> right, yeah, go from a two-prong to a three-prong <laughs> plug. You know, I, it's kind of what I hope for with phones, too. It would be nice if they sort of shared a little bit of uh, like this charging yeah. and that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, so, what else? Well, I lost my train of thought. Where, where I wanted to touch on one thing. You know, we spoke about autonomous cars a little earlier, and I got thinking as uh, Jay said something there. What happens to the people that don't maintain their autonomous cars and the cars sitting there expecting that there's tires with tread and there's brake pads with good thickness and there's you know, a good serpentine belt on there and that everything's ready to go, I got thinking, geez, what about that? You know, I mean, the car can only do just so much. It still needs tires on the road. It still needs brake pads. Uh, you know, I, I just wonder where that'll all go. If people will have this idea in their head, oh, the car's driving itself. I don't have to do anything. Yeah, yeah we talked about that, and that's always my biggest thing. Like, wow, we still have to do stuff. It just mm -hmm. doesn't uh, It just doesn't happen. I so was, to me, it's, it, I'm still concerned about it, and and I'm just concerned not from the technology won't get there, but that people won't do what they need to do so that the technology works. I have been giving this a lot of thought, and, I, and, and I've also been watching a lot of car shows and listening to other car podcasts. Um, I think we're still pretty far away from a true autonomous car that uh, I really do. I would uh, agree. Mm -hmm. I, I, did, I did hear a story from a customer the other day that, that – their grandmother bought a car and it had adaptive cruise control, which is a, a newer, a, a newer that's technology. Been out for a while, but not a lot of the higher platforms. Yeah. But that's uh, interesting too, uh, where it'll slow down if you get too close, if you're not paying attention. Right. Uh, the lane, only lane change avoidance. And the such. only problem is, is this lady uh, thought that it was autonomous driving, so oh, she decided not to steer either. On the throughway. <laughs> Go and go. Uh, I'm not Car exactly go. sure how that ended, but uh, I, I don't think it ended badly because the, the the customer was telling me about it with, you know, a smile on his face. So I'm Alexa, assuming go. Was, yeah. Right. Right. Why isn't this working? Go. <laughs> think about this, too. I wanted to touch on something. You know, with all of the distracted driving, um, people texting, looking down at emails, looking at all kinds of things in their vehicle. I try to avoid it, but once in a while I'll glance at something if my phone dings. It almost seems as if I need better tires and better brakes than in cars prior because I may be a little more distracted and won't have 100 feet to stop. I may only have 60 feet to stop. Mm -hmm. And I wonder this about all the people that are in traffic around me often that are not paying attention. Are they ready for the unexpected that's ahead? And in the winter, that's going to be even more amplified than what we see here in today's conditions. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, you, we're not supposed to be texting and driving, and there is not a day that goes by that I don't have 20 other cars that I'm watching weaving in and out of traffic oh, yeah. or driving 8 miles an hour or going 75 and swerving. It's, and their it, eyes it's are looking down. Yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable. It, it is kind of scary because you do think that there's going to have to be a lot more accidents that will result from this kind of driving habits. You know, one of the things that I, I, I've been a proponent of is car makers um, – Making it so that there's an interference and you can't receive a text disable, when you're in there. Disabling I, it. I'm right I have that on my you. phone now. The, yeah. The yeah, but see, that's the, but but you can choose to do that. Mm -hmm. What I'd rather see 
is it's not even a choice. There's like, no yeah. choice to be it's made. All, it's right. a choice. And like, it's very easy. It's it, That would be extremely easy. It's The technology is already it's, there. It's they similar can, to like my GM vehicle that the lights go on. There's a sensor on the dash. I cannot drive at night without my lights on. I don't know many other vehicles that are like that, but GMs have a little sensor and the lights come on. Same thing like what Jay's saying. If there was a sensor, once you shut your door and you're in there, you click your light, your uh, seatbelt in, should make your phone have a void in there where it can't mm-hmm. pick up anything until you. Yeah, pull some over. cars you can't even uh, you can't program a nav address unless you're standing. Yeah, but I think one of the things bad. you know from a car maker deals, they probably don't want to do that because what are they all pushing now? Convenience. They're all pushing yeah. convenience yeah. and convenience, connectivity, connectivity in your vehicle. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Consumers are getting what they want, but they're not necessarily getting what's safe and what they well, want. Well, that's something else I, we should bring up uh, in this, again, is off, totally off topic with tires. But car manufacturers across the board, every single one of them is guilty of it, is because they're charging you so much for these cars now. I mean, they are putting a lot into these cars, and, and therefore they're more expensive. But they're really marketing the fact that there is very little service that you need to do for the first hundred thousand miles. It's quite unfortunate. Yeah. Because and, now cars aren't getting looked over and they're, they're not. miss the and, little and, stuff that and, they And I'm gonna call. tell you, you and John knows this because he's been in the business a long time. Fifteen years ago, it was it was almost static with every car. You had a fifteen thousand mile service, a thirty thousand mile service, a forty five, a sixty, a seventy five, a ninety, right? It went up hundred and five, hundred and twenty and every other one at the at the you know the 30s 60s 90s 120s those were major services those were spark plugs air filter cabin filter fuel filter even serpentine bells coolant uh, flushes brake fluid flushes brake lubrications in some cases none of that literally none of that has changed these cars are still using roughly the same coolant roughly the same brake fluid roughly the same quality spark plugs uh, now these engines are built to run cleaner so the spark plugs maybe don't need to be done at 30 but now because they've kind of watered down when you when you're to do a service we're seeing cars with 100,000 miles on them that have never had spark plugs that have never had an air cabin filter that have never had an engine air filter because and it's not the customer's fault because they are so confused as to when it is that they're supposed to do. You know, these there used things. to be a time, and this is what I always talk about technology and, and how it affects you. You know, you literally there was a time when you didn't have the internet and you didn't have all these different ways to check. And of course, everybody's checking out. Oh, do I really need new spark plugs? And for mm-hmm. everybody that says, yeah, you do. There's a hundred websites or whatever that say you, that, that you don't. So back back then, you really were, you were reliant on your service center to tell you this is what you need to do. Now, as a service center, I almost feel like you almost don't want to say those things because everybody's going to be, oh, here we go again. You know, it's the cost well, here, here, here's here's the problem we face, right? So if 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 uh, if you were to come in, Jay, and and we told you that we recommend, it's our personal opinion. It's not Infinity's opinion or Audi's opinion or whatever, but it's our personal opinion that you should have spark plugs at sixty thousand miles. What we will get, and it's completely understandable they'll someone will pull out their owner's manual and say well but but the car company is telling me i don't need to do them till 100 the problem is is that it's very likely that your car is not going to blow up because you don't do your spark plugs and it's probably not even going to have a runnability issue right if you don't do them but what they don't tell you and what people don't realize and this i'll find a segue back into tires i'm sure here in a second i was hoping and that is (laughs) tune-up Tune-up items, although maybe not uh, huge amounts of difference, but having worn spark plugs, having a dirty air filter, having a fuel filter that's never been replaced, those things speak to the fuel efficiency of the car. They're very cumulative. Yes. And then take tires. And if you've got tires that are uh, underinflated or chopped, to where you, now you're creating extra rolling resistance. Correct. If it's underinflated, you've got more of that rubber sitting on the road. Drag. Mm-hmm. So you've got drag. And I'll tell you what, you could theoretically, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that you could see a potential 10% One. 
I was going to say 20% 20% hike yeah. in fuel efficiency. Now, with the tire thing, I think car companies have got it because they've got TPMS. So they don't let you get below 3 PSI before your light comes on. Mm-hmm. But plugs, air filters, right. your light's not going to come on for that until there's a problem. You really want to avoid doing your spark plugs when your engine light's flashing and your car's misfiring. And the reason you want to avoid that is that the longer you drive a car with a flashing engine light and it misfiring, the more likely you are to damage your catalytic converters. Um, and that's really expensive to, to fix. One thought I had as you were saying all that, Mark, is I pictured somebody coming in at 100000 and then wanting their spark plugs done then. What's the chances that they're rusted into the head on the car right. and they're unable to be removed properly because they've been in so long in our climate now in florida or well some southern state maybe that wouldn't be the case but in new york here we've got salt and a lot of issues fighting against that as well as the last 10 years most cars spark plugs uh there's a individual head and a steel and individual ignition coils for each oh, spark plug which yeah. are made of plastic which haven't been out and uh some, I can't tell you. Go. I so, can't tell you how many coils we re- we replace as many coils almost as oh, we my do son's car. spark that, plugs. That right, was the the coil monster eater. I will I, mean. I will tell you that there are some shops that um, they won't even wait for a coil to be bad if they're going to sell you spark plugs at sixty five or seventy. Yep. They're going to recommend selling you four or six or in some cases eight coils. Man. Yep. I don't know. This is not. This is not going to be a cheap day for me. Somehow, now I, I just know I got to <laughs> go get winter Jake tires. We're selling coils, plugs, and tires. Now I got to um, go look at my car because it does have over a hundred thousand on it. Going. Yeah, but the good oh, news is, right but the good news is, now you're going to push your snowflake button, and it's not going to snow. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to hit that button. <laughs> Listen, when I do it and it really doesn't snow, I want y'all to just remember it was me. Uh, I will remember yeah. it. Well. Um, you know, I th- so John, when we do our podcast, we always allow Aaron the floor for a while to read us some interesting news articles, and then we uh, take a minute to sort of chime in on our thoughts on them. So, All right. I think it's time for the news with Aaron. News, okay. Right on. So, in uh, 2019, BMW is adding their X7 to the line. In March of 2019, BMW is joining others in its class by providing a three-row BMW X7. That will offer two trims, the X-Drive 40i and the X-Drive 50i. Both trims will offer seating for six or seven and rear entertainment. All-wheel drive is standard on all X7s, and some will come with the option of the M Sport package. According to AutoWeek, the X7 will be longer and wider than those in its class, including the Volkswagen Atlas and Mercedes-Benz GLS. On the safety side, the X7 will have everything from blind spot detection to lane departure warning and frontal collision warning. It's about time that BMW has a third-row seat car that really has a true third-row seat. Yes. I don't know why it's taking them so long. This way you can bring the in-laws along. Yeah. (laughs) I tell you what, I love having a third-row seat because I can take the people I like the least and put them in the third third row. Where do I get to sit, Mark? (laughs) See, this is why I just want the two-seater, because I don't really like anybody. So, (laughs) I'm sorry. you got to catch Mark over there. That's why he drives a motorcycle. Mark's got the extra seat over here. You want to ride with him. Oh, I mean, but BMW is so late to this. I mean, the the BMW X5 did have a provision for third-row seats, but it was just a real crammed-in afterthought. So, Mm -hmm. it was not really a good a good functional third row seat but uh i'm really happy that bmw is going to come out with a uh you know audi has the q7 mercedes has the gl which is a very big beautiful suv and bmw's always capped off at the x5 which is a great vehicle but it's still a five passenger um so i am really thrilled to see that see that vehicle come here interesting interesting Uh, Have you ever felt like your car is listening to you? If you drive a General Motors vehicle, it may just be. According to a report from the Detroit Free Press, GM recently conducted a three-month study of customers' radio listening habits using vehicles equipped with an in-car Wi-Fi. The goal of the study was to see if there is a relationship between what drivers listen to and what they buy. All this to increase the effectiveness of targeted radio advertising. The study, though it was implemented a few in a few larger markets and to drivers who agreed to participate, um, what GM is doing isn't new in the advertising world, but it's another step towards the uh, slippery slope of full-time consumer monitoring. 
Wow. Yeah, that that is a slippery slope. I mean, radio advertising, you know, forever has been dealt on just books and 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 really remembering what what did you watch and 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 some time ago they entered into was a uh, PPM markets, which is they actually gave people a device that they wore like a pager, so you, you could hear all the audio that was going, so they could really tell a little bit better. But I guess GM is taking it to the next level of, um, you know, but it. I don't know. I'm not comfortable with. with Nobody is, no. but it's. But everybody's just gonna do it, and they're just. In, I'm gonna go home tonight. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say, Alexa. <laughs> I sure do like the BMW <laughs> X5, and I'm gonna see something on my Facebook feed tomorrow that's uh, telling me about exactly. the BMW X5. Sale from the local BMW dealer, right? <laughs> so yeah, I, I again, I think everybody who's listened to this knows where I'm at on this stuff. I think we're. It's We've too far. A little far. Yeah, it's yeah. a little too far. Like, you know, yeah. like, you know, if how about, you know, if it hears you when you call, like, I need help or something like that. And, you know, oh, yeah. I just useful. think every it's car different. should come with like a, a little doll in the dashboard and like a nanny cam, a little teddy bear with a camera. And <laughs> can see everything. We're, we're looking into Mark's head again. here, <laughs> And I'm getting more concerned. Uh, all right. So your your flying car is ready to order. Uh, Terra Fugia, a U.S. flying car developer owned by a Chinese automaker, and I'm going to say this completely wrong, Zhejiang Jili Holding Group has been taking... That was awesome. (laughs) I tried. (laughs) Has been taking orders for its first product. According to AutoWeek, deliveries of the Transition, a two-seat aircraft that can switch between driving and flying modes in less than one minute are are to begin in 2019. The Transition with foldable wings flies at 100 miles per hour, powered by a four-cylinder turbocharged gasoline engine. It is powered by a hybrid electric powertrain when on the ground. The transition will be sold in the U.S. initially, and the company has yet to disclose pricing. Wow. So, John, what size tire do you put on that car? <laughs> I think you have to know the wing size first, Mark. <laughs> yeah. I, I, just, I just think, again, think back to movies. I think back of the Back to the Future 2 when uh, – Doc comes to pick up uh, the DeLorean. Yeah, and they mm-hmm. and they go, oh, we don't have enough road to fly. Well, we're yeah. going. We don't need roads. We don't need roads. <laughs> and because I'm older, I think back to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah I, listen, you know, really, we, we we can't. We don't even know how to drive on the roads, and we're gonna <laughs> let people loose like above my house. Yeah. I just no. Can't uh, um. So, Elon Musk said it in the joe rogan podcast uh that's a great interview by the way if you if you haven't listened to joe rogan's podcast i suggest you do so it's really entertaining it's really good stuff but he interviewed elon musk and he's and you know i'm gonna sort of course paraphrase roughly what i remember hearing but um flying cars i don't really think is gonna be a thing because so a a flying in order to park a flying car right so let's say you're gonna fly down to your driveway you're not going to have a runway, so you're going to have to f- land like a like a drone, like a helicopter. Mm-hmm. Sure. How happy are your neighbors going to be when you're landing your car at six o'clock at night? And you know how how loud a little drone is. Yeah, the little well, ones we got now. Could you imagine? And how happy are they going to be when they knock over your power lines because well, they're drunk? Yeah, imagine they're you just thing. raked all your leaves, and now yeah. he flies in with this right. helicopter and pulls a, them all back in the yard. Maybe it's a way to rake your leaves. I don't know. Unless you got a fenced-in yard, but and I'm really pretty angry. But what they're working on, which seems much more realistic to me, is that uh, they're doing a lot of like three-dimensional highways. So that meaning, in California right now, one of Elon Musk's companies is developing tunnels underneath LA that are layered and they're made of a special material with, with that that is able to flex you know because you think about LA and you go earthquake central and you're going to put tunnels underground but um, they're doing these special flex style tunnels underground and it's going to be like layers of of highways that are going to be underground so um, I think we're going to be dealing potentially. It, I think it's a long way off, but I think we're probably going the way of the electric car for sure, right? That's yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. We're pretty much that's a pretty much a lock. I think at this point, everybody's kind of gotten on board. I'm pretty sure that'll happen. Yeah. So that's a lock. Autonomous cars. That's the next thing. Once they get that down, and then they get these layered highways underground, then it's just going to be you're just going to be shooting through a tube. 
in your you know little metal car while you take a nap to get to to get to work. I think that's probably the most likely you know 50 year goal for Listen, you know just to get to you know automation you got to think about like how many ro- you know all the smaller countries and stuff it'd probably be easier to do but you look at the United States and and what you really have to do to the roadways and the and everything else to 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 really make it so that way the whole country could go with full automation. Mm-hmm. I ju- I just think the I, f- I don't know, know if our infrastructure can pay for it all, yeah. you know. I I'm I'm hoping I am so hoping that we get back into trains in this country. I am so hoping that we get into a a high speed bullet train that has one direct route from east coast to west coast and then has branches off of it to other major cities in the northern parts and southern parts of this country. And and I think that they are, you know, I think they have plans for it. I, I think they've planned it out. They've they've got a lot of research and development into this, but whether it'll actually come to light. But, man, I'll tell you, something like that, I, I, I just look. the high-speed trains when you were in Europe, right? Oh, they're so great. It, it was great for me, except, you know, like I always said, I really wanted to see the windmills. And I, I couldn't turn my head fast enough. That yeah, these it's fast. Go, literally. Well, but it doesn't make sense even in Europe. What I found, it didn't make sense to even travel by train in Europe anymore. They, first of all, they've gotten rid of a lot of the sleeper car trains, which used to be a huge appeal for going to Europe. I mean, that was like a – that was – you you weren't just going on the train as your ability to get from point A to point B. You were doing it as part of the experience. Right. Mm-hmm. And having your own little – car you know you have the fold down beds in there at night you have a dining car it's a whole thing like Part of the mur- like murder on the orient express right. you know that you, that yeah, kind of feel sure. they they got a they they got away from that because some of these airlines in europe are offering flights within europe for it's insanely cheap we flew from london to nuremberg for 39 euros <laughs> wow sure it's and fun. they didn't charge. Well, they didn't. Know, they didn't nickel and dime us. They didn't charge us for the luggage. Thirty nine dollars we got on a plane and flew to Nuremberg. It, it, but you got to understand too. I I think you know these trains are just going so fast. Like really, how do you really need sleeper cars mm-hmm. to go from you know London to Amsterdam? By the time you're done, it's you know you get on the right train, you're like three hours. Yeah, you know. But I I'm always calculating when I'm on trips. Uh, how how much faster is it really to fly? I mean, flying is would be my preferred method because it is the fastest, but it's not the cheapest. You, you, it is you, not my preferred you, method you, anymore. You There's... could, I just looked. You can pay you pay four hundred dollars for a round trip flight to Chicago. By the time I wake up in the morning, I wake up an hour bef- before I leave. I gotta be at the airport an hour and a half before my flight, and that even that is. You might be almost too early so let's so it might even be two hours for my flight then i'm on the flight for two hours then i've got well like in sh- for the example of chicago the airport's about 45 minutes outside of the downtown so by the time i add all that up i'm at i'm at six hours i'm at nine hours if i drive it right yeah three hours more and i saved a lot of money if i'm going with a family sure mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And if you got good tires, yeah, well, and you got good tires and ABS brakes and and a proper tune up and all of those good things, and um, so I looked at the train. I said, okay, well, let's see what the train has. The train's almost as expensive as the plane. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, anyway, um, so real quick, one of the funniest things that I'm going to ask the question now. It's my turn to turn it on you guys. Who is the world's largest manufacturer of tires? Sumitomo. Well, I would have said Michelin. Aaron? Uh, I wouldn't have even known what to guess. (laughs) None of them. Continental? Believe it or not, no. It's a Lego. They produce 306 million. Trick question. (laughs) Trick question. (laughs) I just said tires. 306 million toy tires every single year. So I thought I'd throw that out at you. How many million? 306 million toy tires. Wow. I need to crack into that market, Mark. (laughs) Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, we have a lot I, of room to but store But are those they all season say. tires, and do they make winter tires, Jay? <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to get on this and figure this out. I, th- I thought it was great. I was like... I'll bet you they turn like plastic when they're cold. Uh, I, bet they, <laughs> I bet they do. I just was reading that, I was like, that is good. Have, I go, these guys, we're not going to get that. Have you, you guys didn't. seen any of those, like, Lego movies? 
No, I haven't. They're great. They're they're really amazing animation. Oh, it's really one cool. Was, I think it was um, Justice League or yeah. In, I don't. Batman. Yeah, I went to. Oh, I don't even awesome. have kids that are into Legos, but I but I'll watch that stuff. Even, even, even another my, look the, into Mark's the, mind. The, the, <laughs> the, the, the CGI <laughs> is really cool in those. It, it's a cool it's, take. Yeah, it's definitely it's cool. cool. I think it's a creative and cool take on 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 some stuff you know that we don't usually get like it's always returning stuff so that type of what stuff other what other stumpers do you tell have us more else? jay no please. no that was it that's i just wanted to stump you all once because i knew i was going to get you uh, but listen you should be thankful because nobody's going to get you again because right. when somebody says it, you're going to go oh i know the answer to that well now yeah. well now i'm, I'm not sure how many million because it's different but <laughs> now i might not it. share this at other tire meetings in the future <laughs> I, I think you should because you'll be a hero there yeah aaron you got any more news that's all i got so, ladies and gentlemen, this has been uh, another podcast coming to a close here at Grease and Glamour Podcast. And, um, again, I want to encourage you to visit, first and foremost, visit universalimports.com because there you can find out all about our company, about how we take care of our customers and what we do to try and strive to be the best in the business. Um, whether it's service whether it's uh, a car you're looking to purchase or you need some body work. Um, my father used to, used to always say, the Universal Imports body shop's so good, your car won't know what hit it. Wow. And I love that one. slogan. It is good. Copyrighted trademark, no one else can use it. There, <laughs> I said it. Um, anyway, uh, universalimports.com. It's a great website for you to get any information you need uh, about Universal Imports. You can email me anytime you like at mark at universalimports.com. I may not read it any time of the day, but I will get back to you fairly quickly. As you can tell because he's gotten about four or five emails we've been doing this, <laughs> and he hasn't gotten back to him. His hand didn't even go there. <laughs> um, and you can reach me, Aaron Kane, at ekane at universalimports.com. C or a K? With a K. Yep. A K. Yeah, just and then uh, certainly if you have any questions for our producer, Jay, you can uh, you can email us at – I'm going to probably get this one wrong. It's greaseandglamourpodcast at gmail.com. All right. So that's any questions you have about the podcast, but, of course, you can email Aaron or I. If you have any questions for John, feel free to reach out to me at marketuniversalimports.com. I'll get the information right over to John. He'll get an answer fast. We'll get back to you. If you have any suggestions for future podcasts or things that we might uh, might not be doing that you'd like to hear us do, uh, please don't hesitate to share that stuff with us. Um, I want to really encourage people that the only way for us to get this podcast truly off the ground is through you, our listeners. And just like this company here that uh, I've been involved with my whole life, Universal Imports, has grown over the years by word of mouth. It's been customers coming here and getting hopefully a really great experience and then sharing that with their friends and getting them in here. We're trying to do the same thing with how we grow this podcast. This We want this to be a grassroots type thing. We want you to listen to it, think it's great, and tell people about it. The best way to tell them about it is share it on Facebook. Tell people about it at your next function or party. Um, I just really uh, appreciate that we have all these listeners and that uh, they are willing to share it. Absolutely. Uh, you can also get this podcast pretty much wherever podcasts are found, uh, like Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and uh, and also at our website, which is greaseandglamourpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Um, John, do you have any other uh, anything else to add before we wrap it up? No, thanks for having me, Mark. Uh, I hope your listeners gained a little bit of information today and certainly uh, come to Universal Imports for all your tire needs. Uh, They do alignments, tire repairs, rotations, inspections. Please come and see them. Yeah, we we actually did talk about alignments and stuff, but we'll do another podcast on that. We'll keep, well, that'll be our cliffhanger. Ooh, alignments are our cliffhanger. <laughs> They're signing up by the millions. But it's listen, man, you um, need that stuff. There's yeah. no doubt. It, John Callahan from Midtown Tire. He's got 30 years in this business. If there's someone that knows anything about tires, it's him. And uh, we are truly blessed to have him on our podcast today, and we're very thankful. Yeah, and, thanks for uh, coming in, John. We really thanks again it. for having me, you and, guys. Uh, and it's like, been a pleasure. like we said at the beginning of the podcast, um, John works with just about every tire brand there is. So, um, 
we aren't necessarily partial to any one specific brand, but we know which brands do well in certain situations. So um, if we don't know the answer, we'll ask John and he'll give us the answer. So uh, feel free to uh, ask us, let us know anything you might need with your tires or anything for future podcasts. Until next time, I'm Mark Fierbacher. I'm Aaron Kane. And I'm Jay Lawrence. And, and I'm John Callahan. Yep. Thank you so much for coming. We'll see you next time.